Welcome to Slaughterhouse Stories. I hope you enjoy the stories I have for you tonight. Hello to all you things that go bump in the night. Hello to all you humans as well. Welcome to the show that brings you creepypastas, short scary stories, and dark horror-themed poetry from all across the world. This is the Slaughterhouse Stories Podcast, Episode 31, Dead Man's Hand. I am your host and narrator, Ghost Train, telling you to lock your doors, get under your blanket, and keep the lights on. You can follow the show on Twitter, at iced underscore demon or on instagram at slaughter underscore house underscore stories and discuss all things spooky with me also you can write in and have your email read on the show email slaughterhouse stories podcast at gmail.com with creepypasta requests or your own real life paranormal encounters before we get to tonight's first story i'd like to ask you a favor if you're enjoying the show please head over and leave a review through itunes and help spread the word to your friends, family, the specter in your recurring nightmare that seems all too real. Whomever, tell them, be a listener, not a victim. Now, let's get spooky. Tonight, we begin with a story about a poor man named Thomas, who's been tormented his entire life by the things he sees. From childhood all the way to adulthood, he has dealt with these things. What is it that torments this poor man? How will he escape it? Will he survive? Listen to what happens to Thomas and enjoy Dark and Stormy Night. Thomas was a friend to many. He had a wife, two kids, and a steady job. He was living the good life, or so everyone thought. You see, poor Thomas was born with a flaw in his brain. Since he was a small child, he was paranoid of everything. He saw demons where there were only shadows. Every day he would cry for someone to save him from non-existent ghouls. Once, his teacher had to call his parents after he climbed a tree to save himself from another figment of his imagination. But mom, he would say afterwards, it's going to eat me, mom. This would continue his whole life, and a long life is never a guarantee. Thomas woke up suddenly. He had a wicked headache and couldn't stop shaking. He closed his eyes. Hoping it was all just a hellish dream, but no such luck. As he opened his eyes, he heard a terrible noise. A mix of moans, cries, and roars. As the sound grew louder, his headache became more and more painful, until he felt he needed to scream, and so he did. Unfortunately, when he finished his crying, the growling grew louder, like a hungry beast had just found its prey. A cry of victory. Oh, God, no was all Thomas could muster. As he turned around, he saw a sight that would haunt the rest of his life. Horrible, grotesque monsters were watching him with horrid grins. Of course, that was only the monsters that could grin. Some had faces so deformed they couldn't even hope of making expressions. Thomas turned around again to see an older man. He had a terrified expression on his face. 
What are you doing? Don't you see those horrible creatures? Follow me. Thomas ran. What other choice was there? He could only hope this man was on his side. As they ran, Thomas took note of his surroundings. A pine forest. Usually, it would be a very pretty place to hike. But hiking meant slowing his pace. And Thomas, as you know, couldn't afford that. It was also raining very hard. Thomas was getting soaked, ruining his wool sweater. He looked down to see he was following a dirt path. Although now, you might as well have called it a mud path. The two were getting tired of running, but the fear for their lives kept them going. Thomas's pulse was speeding, and he was losing his ability to think straight. He turned around and gasped. The creatures didn't seem to be tired of running. Don't look back, my friend, shouted the stranger. Eventually, after what felt like hours running, they came upon an old shack. Seeing it as their only chance, they ran inside and locked the door. Thank God it has a lock, Thomas sighed. Now if only they had a lamp. Then lightning struck, lighting up the room for a few precious seconds. Now let's let your imagination run wild for a minute. Guess what was in the shack? Blood and gore all over the walls? Saws and knives everywhere? Monsters hiding, waiting for an ambush? All those options could be potentially exciting. I cannot lie to you. All there was in the shack were a few barrels of wine and some sketches of trees. Then there was a bang at the door. The door began to splinter and crack. The two men screamed. Did you really believe a silly lock could stop those hungry beasts? The old man turned and smashed a window. Thomas jumped out the window while the monsters were distracted, eating the old man. If Thomas were a luckier man, he could have made a clean getaway. Maybe there would be a village he could take refuge in. Sadly, that was not the case. Thomas cut his hand climbing out the window. The monsters reacted like sharks. They could smell his blood. His friend was on the appetizer. And so the chase continued. This is sadly all the information I have regarding my dear friend Thomas. To this day, something worries me. As we both know, Thomas hallucinated a lot. Could this all be a freakish nightmare he dreamed up? I sure hope not. I would hate to know it's just a figment of Thomas's imagination. Oh, Thomas, clearly you should be much more careful when climbing out a window. Maybe you'd still be alive, but then again, probably not. No matter what you did, you were food for demons. At least you don't have a headache anymore, right? Let's forget about Thomas. He's gone now. Well, some pieces remain, but we call that leftovers. Let's move to the next story of the night. A story about how to find something you humans have wanted since you evolved into existence. The path to immortality. The way to live forever and never have to worry about that pesky death thing. Well, humans, let's find out if immortality is all you think it is. Lean back and listen to Keepers of Eternity. Over the past millennium, science and medicine have advanced so far as to put miracles in the hands of men. Many of the diseases that were fatal hundreds of years ago now have cures and or treatments thanks to the brilliant minds of man. That being said, there is still one fatal infirmity humanity has yet to overcome, and that is mortality. For those devoted enough, however, there is yet a way. 
located somewhere along the east coast of North America. There is a shrine, dating as far back as the earliest recorded civilizations. Lost to the ages now, there is but one path to this shrine, and it still sends its call, as if daring the hardiest of men to make that perilous voyage. If you find yourself in Savannah, Georgia someday, and think that you would like to play your hand at immortality, simply hop in your car and continue east out of town, along East President Street. Continue along it until it turns into Island's Expressway, if the forces deem you worthy, or if they're simply in the mood to watch in amusement as you throw your life away. The sky will darken with rain clouds. Even if it was clear and blue only moments before, the forest about you will seem to glow. Keep your eyes peeled, and you should see a turn off into the woods just as this happens. Now, if you're carrying a map, you'll notice this path is not indicated anywhere on it, but pay that no heed. Continue along the tight and densely overgrown path at a slow pace, for if you go off the road here, you'll have no hope of ever finding your way out of this forest, and no tow truck will ever find a turnoff to come retrieve you. Simply follow the path before you, for while there are many bends, there are no turnoffs from this one. The trees will only grow denser as you progress, until the limbs scrape like fingers along the top of your vehicle. You should probably know that it would be a very bad idea to undergo this journey in a convertible. Eventually you should come to a dead end, where the trees tighten around you like a noose around a doomed man's neck. If you have a GPS system in your car, it will proclaim that you're about 15 miles into the Atlantic Ocean. Do not attempt to reverse at this point, for you will find that the path is no longer there. Check your watch, or your phone, or your car's readout for the time, for regardless of the time of day, not a single ray of light will spill through these densely packed trees. Do not open your door, and do not turn off your headlights. If you let your guard down in this forest at night, you're as good as dead. If you were wise enough to start this trip early enough, and it's still light out, you may exit the car at this point. You'll notice the trees around you, leaning in your direction, as if peering down at you curiously. In a loud, assertive voice proclaim, I am here to claim my fate, and none here shall stand in my way. You'll hear a sound behind you. When you turn to look, you'll notice a small path that hadn't been there before. Don't hesitate, and don't question it. Simply walk purposefully forward, and start down the path, before you're trapped in that clearing indefinitely. The path may wind drastically, but simply continue walking, and don't look back, no matter how loud the rustling gets behind you you'll soon find yourself ankle deep in a swamp, and you may find the sound of frogs croaking, a soothing change from the forest's lively rustling. It would be most wise at this point to find the longest, thickest branch you can, for the marshes of Georgia can hide the nastiest creatures at only a foot of water. You'll need to feel your way along, like a blind man. Only about ten yards from the forest line, the land drops off into the ocean. Unless the forces are feeling particularly cruel, you should be able to see the log poking up out of the water right away. If not, you'll need to search, and it may take you a while, but once you're near it, there's no mistaking it. Walk until you feel the ground break away beneath you, then get into the water. When you're touching the log, you'll want to take in the largest lungful of breath you can manage, then dive under, then dive under and swim to the bottom as quickly as you can. It will be a long swim, but do not turn around. Even if you think you're about to faint, swim as fast as you can and keep going down keeping a hand on the log until you come out the other side. You'll resurface in a pond in the middle of a dark forest, much similar to the one you just exited. 
Only at the edge of the pond would be an ancient building of indeterminable origin. Go inside. Fires will be lit, marking your path to the shrine of the Keeper. The likeness of the Keeper will stand at the far wall, and his feet will be an empty bowl. Address the Keeper in a loud, confident voice, saying, I've come very far, and all I ask for is something to drink. His response will be a single, very personal question, and he will speak it directly into your mind. So listen carefully. When he has asked his question, do not take too long to answer. An answer, only in the truth. Be very precise with your answer. He will know if you're trying to hide something. Once you have answered him completely, the bowl at his feet will fill with a strange liquid. This liquid will reflect the entire rainbow spectrum of colors, and it will bear no scent. You must drink this liquid, or you will never leave the forest alive. Depending on whether or not the keeper liked your answer and deems you worthy, the liquid may be plain tap water, or a lethal poison. If it is the latter, you will only know once the symptoms begin to take hold. If it is the former, you will be free to leave. The forest will part before you, showing you the exit, much like the years will part before you, leaving you alone to endure the eons. You will see your family and loved ones die, and you will see wars begin and end, but you will never die. You will see the sun explode, and the earth burn to a cinder, but you will never die. You will know the true meaning of eternal life. So, do you still want to live forever? Forever is an awfully long time to float in the vastness of space all by yourself. But if this is really how you choose to spend your eternity, be my guest, human. But while you contemplate immortality, let me give you this week's recommendation. This week I'm going to recommend my favorite book, written by Christopher Moore, A Dirty Job. Charlie Asher is a pretty normal guy with a normal life, married to a bright and pretty woman who actually loves him for his normalcy. They're even about to have their first child. Yeah, Charlie's doing okay. Until people start dropping dead around him, and everywhere he goes, a dark presence whispers to him from under the streets. Charlie Asher, it seems, has been recruited for a new position, as death. It's a dirty job, but hey, somebody's got to do it. This is my favorite book, so get the physical copy, or digital, or audiobook. I think you'll enjoy it. Now that I've given you this week's recommendation, let's take a trip down to open mic night at Piezo Pamba. Welcome, fiends, to Open Mic Night at Beazel Pub, where we invite you to sit right here and go into the more poetic side of fear. Poems of murder, creatures, and ghosts. All the things that scare you the most. This week at the pub, we start with a poem that serves as a warning, telling you to watch out for your children, not just at night, but during the day as well. And the possibly slender monster waiting for your children and then, to end the night, is a poem by Ghost Train. Hey, that's me. About a man named Stanley, who finishes off a night of drinking with quite a bit of bloodshed. What led him to this? Who are his victims? Find out as the verses take you away. And enjoy, Schlunkwald, and To Kill. They say that monsters only come out at night, 
that light will drive them away, but not all creatures follow this rule. Safety not certain during the day. He hides in the fringes of your vision, brief glimpses of the distorted. He slithers and writhes behind your eyes, reaching for you, limbs contorted. Before you know it, your children are taken, and now it's come down to you. His breath is oppressive, his presence acidic. He feels pity is undue. Suddenly, trapped in his grasp so tight, you struggle to break yourself free. He laughs and he gurgles and he screeches with glee. He turns your head for you to see. Your children are crying, though their eyes are removed. They collapse, still and silent. His arms and legs bent, pulling you closer. The man's eyes dark and violent. He strikes and he cuts. Your skin flays open. Your soul too weak to resist. This should not have happened if only you had listened. Never go into his forest. Listen to us, Stanley. We know what you need. You fought us off for too long, but now it's time to feed. Take some shots, have another line. The night is so young, we have lots of time. We want you to submit to this raging temptation, driving you mad into this damnation. You are ours to do our bidding. You are ours. Let's start the killing. Death is in the air tonight, up the stairs to play. To the left or to the right, what a way to spend my birthday. Timmy, you'll be my first. I see your eyes behind your teddy. Hush now, son, don't make a sound. Don't be rude and come to daddy. Am I being watched or am I just paranoid? Doesn't matter in the end. Samantha, dear, you will be destroyed. Such a lovely, happy wife. All this time I've slept beside her. Little did this bitch know that she was married to a monster. Jacob, I'm sorry, boy. You're the last left alive. I would leave you alone, but this urge I can't deprive. The voice is telling me that we're better off this way. You all were the first, but not the last. I'll burn this whole fucking town today. Who needs this family when I have you inside of me, guiding me to insanity? At last, I feel free to kill. A sand in the stillness, like a faint shouting, a scream. Maybe just the wind, howling by this bloody stream. He arrests my family, but still more death I crave. Still I feel the eyes on me, as if something from beyond the grave. If that was who I thought it was, then welcome back to the show, Slender. Always good when you can stop by kill some humans, and have some laughs. And Stanley has proven to be very easily manipulated by ghosts. So I'm sure it's not the last we'll hear from that situation. I know I'm excited for it. Now, let us leave the pub behind for the night, retreat back to the make-believe safety of your home, and get into the last story of the night with the feature, Slaughterhouse Original. This month finds us at a very familiar looking, but very different scene. Five friends gathered around for poker night. However, this is anything but your typical game of cards. This game puts the life of five people on the line in an unexpected way. Lean back, relax, and listen to this story 
written by a spooky motherfucker, me. Please enjoy Dead Man's Hand. Another poker night with the boys. We all know how that goes. Drinks, cigars, and souls. Well, for us it's souls. You see, we're not human. Sure, we look human. And we go by human names. But these are just the flesh bags we're currently using. Yeah, man, so the priest is in there like, the power of Christ compels you, blah, 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 holy water. And I'm just laughing my fucking ass off. That's Dave. He drinks and smokes the most. And usually, loses his games because of it. But there is no denying the skill. He can make a human's head spin, like those old world possessions. Did anything happen? Like, anything? There's Ron, our smallest demon. But when he grips someone, the physical damage is a work of art. His possessions are textbook, and he could write a whole book in a human's skin from the inside. No, man, I mean, my balls itched a little, but I haven't let this guy shower in like two months. Why the fuck do you have to sit next to me then? That's Steve. He's grouchy again, but it's understandable. Not only did he lose all the credit for this soul the last game, but he ended up getting exercised. So now he's in the hole, and for the next soul he possesses, all the credit goes to Ron. Brian! Motherfucker, you gonna make your plight or make us wait till the bodies die? Kev's here too. He's a loud one in the group. But he does that loud shit here to distract. But we all know how good his poker game is. He's ahead of everyone currently. Our game is different. Our chips are different. Our cards are different. Our chips are the percentage of a soul we get credit for. Lose all of the soul, and you're gonna have to make up that loss before the boss finds out. He wants his souls, and he doesn't fuck around. It may sound odd to risk the wrath of the devil just to gamble, but after a few thousand years of possessing people, you just, you want to make it fun again. So we have no aces, no kings, queens, etc. Instead, our cards are the things we use during our possessions. Negative emotions or physical damage. Things we can inflict to make the human inch closer to death. Because that's the point, after all, to kill the host and claim the soul. Sadness is the deuce of the deck. And like regular poker, you want a combination that leads to death the quickest. And right now, I'm so close to that perfect hand. That hand everyone wants. But I'm behind in the game, and I gotta play this one just right. I take the weakest card in my hand, Paranoia, and throw it down. I'll take one. Steve deals me my card and I have to restrain myself. I got it. That perfect hand. We all go around making our bets. I'm the first to bet, so I bet small so they don't realize what I have. Steve folds. He's far too in the hole. Ron bets 19%, which is a good bet. Dave throws down an even 20. Kel is the one I was waiting for. Loud, bragging, cocky about his wins. He has so much, and I want to take it from him. All of it. He doesn't disappoint me. He goes all in. So of course, so do I. Ron and Dave fold. They don't want to risk what they have left. Kev throws down his cards and goddamn, what a hand he has. Depression, childhood trauma, anxiety, melancholy, and drug abuse. Fuck, that's a winning hand any other time. And he was laughing and ready to pull the pile over. So it was time for my reveal. So I threw my cards down one at a time. Depression. Despair. Desolation. Defeat. 
self-loathing. Their faces said it all. They were shocked. Kev was pissed. The five cards you end the night with means those are the five things you can use in the body you're possessing. And these five cards lead to one thing. Suicide. The quickest way to end your possession and claim the soul. This was my best win ever. And I got enough soul credit to count for two, maybe two and a half souls, on top of the one I'm possessing. Best night ever. Read him and reap, boys. Dead man's hand. Congrats, Brian. You got Dead Man's Hand and are now free to kill your flesh bag. I think we can all agree that this was a happy ending. Hopefully, we'll get some more possessions on the show very, very soon. But without the bad parts like priests and exorcisms. Now, I believe there's enough scares for this week. I hope you will join me again next week for more stories that are sure to keep you afraid during the day and awake at night. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the stories I had for you tonight. And until next time. <laughs> Stay spooky.